It's Mike Traversa with the Friends That Code podcast, where I get a chance to showcase some amazing people I know just happen to write code for a living. Folks, today I have the pleasure of speaking with someone who I met a few years ago uh, while looking for folks in Tampa to showcase uh, at DevFest Florida. Today's guest was at the top of that list of people I needed to reach out to. Today's guest has built an incredible career so far, working at Microsoft, Shopify, RayWenderlich.com, and many other companies. From developer to evangelist, from project manager to CTO, he's had almost every job you can have in technology, and he's a great person to boot. Speaking of boot that, he hails from Toronto, Canada, uh, and since immigrating to the Tampa Bay area, he's become a fixture in the tech scene. And I feel that one day folks are going to look back and realize how much he's actually been a pillar in the Tampa tech community. He really is the glue that kind of keeps it all together, and here's why. Uh, Tampa iOS and Coders Creatives and Craft Beer are two of the meetups he organizes. But here's the deal. In addition to that, you can find him speaking at local Android developer meetups about Kotlin or giving a talk on Jupyter Notebooks and, and Python at a conference or teaching JavaScript and React uh, courses. Uh, weekly, he puts together and shares a list of all tech-related and adjacent meetups within the community to the rest of the community. Uh, folks often make the analogy of someone being like a Swiss army knife, but to say that about today's guest would feel inadequate. Uh, he can do anything and he does whatever that is very well. Speaking of, he gives back to the global community as a writer for RayWenderlich.com. And not just for the site, but he's an author on the eighth edition of the iOS Apprentice book, an update to the book that includes how to get started with Swift UI. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the one thing today's guest is most famously known for. Wherever he goes, he carries with him an accordion. Known as the accordion guy, today's guest shows up wherever he goes with an accordion and plays rock and roll accordion. And I've actually heard him play some pop as well. Developer, former evangelist, former CTO, author, community organizer, conference speaker, accordion guy, and developer again. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is Joey DeVia. Joey, thanks for hanging out today. Hey, Mike. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me on. And thanks for the intro. And by the way, you know what? I love the uh, podcast theme song. Excellent. It, All right. Yeah, it actually reminds me of a band called Biss. Uh, you probably know them best for the Powerpuff Girls theme song. They um, it's got that super, uh, super rapid, uh, super rapid techno pop feel to it. I didn't, I, you know what? I didn't realize that until just now, until you said it. And now it's like, boom, there you go. It just, it kind of clicks. And like, I'm hearing now I'm hearing Powerpuff Girls when I hear it. That's so cool. Yeah. It's got that kind of vibe. You know, speaking of music, everybody knows who knows you knows your story about and how you've kind of come across the accordion and how you carry it with you where you go. Um, but if that if it's okay with you, I want to talk about other things because you've talked sure. about the accordion on other podcasts before, and I just don't want to be copying that. So Joey carries an accordion around. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for where you can listen to him give a talk with the accordion uh, at a previous Dev Fest, which I think is amazing because he's kind of warming up the crowd for himself, um, which is awesome, uh, which is why you carry it. Uh, sorry. So on to more pressing matters. Um, you grew up in the Philippines, right? Um, for a couple of years, uh, let's see now. So, um, from, 
you know, from birth to age one, Philippines. Okay. But, and that's, so that's my point. So circumstances kind of made it more like advantageous for your family to immigrate out of there. Uh, And then your family settled in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, that's right. But it's a slightly more roundabout story than that for um, uh, what happened was my parents were, uh, my parents were doing internships in the U S they figured, you know, they were going to go get first world experience and then the plan was to go back to the Philippines. So when I was about uh, when I was about four, we went back to the Philippines, and the plan was to live there forever. Okay. They got they get they get the U.S. hospital experience. They come back. They bring that skill, and uh, yeah, they return back home. I mean, it was home, so okay. it made perfect sense. Uh, the problem was about three weeks after we returned. Um, Two things happen. One of which is that President Marcos declares martial law and gets all super dictatorial. And um, the second thing was that uh, we were um, we were robbed. It was a home invasion, and um, I slept. Uh, I was really young, so I slept through the entire thing. But mom and dad were tied up and held at gunpoint. And I think the combination of those two things suggested you know what let's let's <laughs> let's make let, let's make tracks out of here and the original plan was to actually go back to the US but it was kind of hard because um there were agreements between the Philippines and the US uh not to take um not to take people trying to get away Be- and and part of it was because there are there were there was a military presence in the Philippines uh Clark yes. Air Force Base Subic Naval Base uh, those were major toeholds against the Soviet Union. You have to remember this is the Cold War. Yep. So, uh, so um, the U.S. wasn't in the cards, but uh, I had an uncle living in Canada, and he said, "Why not Canada?" And Canada has a point system for uh, immigration, and if you you know if you check certain boxes, you get more points. And one of them at the time was uh, doctors. Everybody in my family, except for me, is a doctor by going into computer science. I was the black sheep. I'm the black sheep of the family. That's so crazy though, because of your career in computer science, like your, <laughs> which has been so successful, you know, to date and, and will continue to be so, but it's it, the way you kind of tell that it almost seems like, you know, you're the, this black sheep of the family, even though you've kind of like, you're not measuring up almost, you know, even though you've had this, you know, this crazy career in it's, tech. It's good, but you know, I also have, um, Let's see. I mean, my my mom's chief of cardiology at her hospital. Uh, my dad, uh, my my dad is practically the OB. You know, when he was alive, was the OB guy to the entire Filipino community of Toronto. You know, right. Toronto, Canada's largest city. And now my my sister is medical officer for health. She's basically the chief medical officer of the city of Toronto, and she does oh. these. Yeah, and she does daily. She does daily updates on the news, and it's actually, it's Dr. Burks who stole her scarf idea. She was doing the scarf at the uh, press conference thing before Dr. Burks here did. Okay. Right. Yeah. So that breaking news on the podcast today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in, in some time in between, obviously, immigrating to Canada and winding up here in Tampa, you, you met your lovely wife, Anitra. Yes. And you both, I imagine, both discussed and decided to move to Tampa, Florida, uh, where your wife was living, right? Yes. Well, um, one of us had to move, and she does not like the cold. 
Okay. And the other thing is, I thought it would be an adventure. Uh, I read somewhere. Uh, I'm sure you can find it if you Google it. There's uh, there's an article called Staying is Settling. Uh, I have been a Toronto resident for um, I th- three or four decades. I will actually have to count, you know. Um, and I thought it might be an adventure just to move someplace else, shake, uh, move, move someplace else, shake things up, see, see a different part of the world. So here's my question, right? With all the craziness that's going on in America right now, have you been able to suppress the urge to daily mention, you know, to say, I told you so? Uh, <laughs> during that, you know, to kind of go back to those conversations about to stay or to move or? Well, um, I don't. Okay. <laughs> the short, no, the short form is I don't. No, the, the, I'm, usual, I'm kidding. the usual joke in the house is that Canada is plan B. Okay. And we have a plan C and a plan E and a plan F. All right. Okay. All right. So you're going through, you're going through the immigration process here. And, you know, I, I know that because I read your, your blog and I have, you know, I know your posts. Um, and it was, it was kind of inspiring to kind of see you going through that because you got your green card before my wife was able to get her green card. And so reading your posts on that, which were very detailed, were, it was, it was inspiring and it kind of gave us hope because of how crazy this process is. And for anybody who's not gone through it, the questions that you'll be asked, you know, first your marriage is kind of held in question. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to then prove that to the government, which is a weird thing to do. I mean, if you think about that, if you've never gone through this and you have to prove, you know, you're, you're married for valid reasons. So that's, that's one thing. So that puts you on edge. And then the rest of the forms you fill out, um, they, create anxiety within anybody, I would think. And everything feels like it's a trick question. For example, the, there, there's actually questions that ask, are, were you a Nazi during, you know, the period of 1933 to 1945. And so being born in the eighties, you kind of say, wait, huh? You know, like, what do I put for this? Yeah. Cause it's a yes or no, obviously it's no. And the other questions will be, are you a terrorist? So it's a pretty wild, pretty, you know, anxiety inducing process, at least, you know, for us, I imagine for a lot of other people. So my question, I guess, then would be what, what's going to be your favorite part about finishing this process? Uh, Well, I'm still in the middle of the process. So, uh, just got the, um, let's see, it was, uh, 2017 that I got the green card. Yep. And, um, and, and that, yeah, that was, that, that was interesting because that was after, that was just after the inauguration and, um, my lawyer, uh, we, we had an immigration lawyer and his immigration lawyer buddies were also there in the waiting room and they were chatting with each other during, uh, while we were waiting for our turn and they were all talking amongst each other and going, wow, it got hard. Yeah. It got hard. The new administration decided to ramp up the questions. They were asking all sorts of things. And the trick, there are interesting questions to that they do ask to prove that you're a legitimate couple, including things like uh, they ask you separately, uh, how many ceiling fans are in your home? Yes. I think the idea is that you should uh, you should come to some kind of agreement. It should be at least close. Yeah, it has been made a lot harder. Uh, and what's been interesting is that, uh, even after the process, when you become a citizen, they give you a sheet of paper that says, here's your, you know, citizenship certificate. And it's fantastic because you have the certificate, you have Mm -hmm. a letter signed by the president, uh, and it's great. They give you an American flag. 
unfortunately due to COVID, I couldn't kind of go in, but, um, the thing that I thought was interesting is that they'll give you the certificate. Now you have to then turn around and give that certificate to the social security department. You then have to send that, that same certificate off to the state department to get a passport. Mm-hmm. And then you want to have that certificate back and they mail it back to you, obviously. But, uh, you would think they would, you would walk out of there and they'd give you three certificates and they'd say, here, here's one for the state department. Here's one for social security, you know, and here's one for you to hang on the wall. Uh, Go have fun, but they don't. Yeah. And why not? Because you they do that with the tax forms, right? One for you, one for your, <laughs> nope. one for your accountant, one. For- yeah, these are these are very these are six hundred and fifty dollars pieces of paper. Ah, so, there we go. Yeah, and it's I think that's a little, maybe something to do with it, but yeah. Um, anyway, all <laughs> right. So part of being a good citizen anywhere, I think, is finding ways uh, to give back to your community. Right. Uh, to make your community better. So with that said, you run the Tampa iOS uh, meetup group and the Coders, Creatives, and Craft Beer meetup group. You happily present to any other meetup group that will ask within reason. Where do you find the time to run these two meetup groups and prepare content for all of the others maybe that ask uh, for you to come and speak? Well, in order for that to work, something's got to give. And in my case, uh, in my case, there is the fact that um, we don't have kids. So that, that frees up a whole bunch of time. And if you do have kids, spend time on your kids. That's the, that's the best thing you can possibly do. But beyond that, um, you know what, you know what else goes is, uh, TV and video games. Okay. They are, they can, um, TV can be a black hole from, uh, you know, from which you cannot escape. And same thing with video games. You know how, I mean, people talk about binging till two or three in the morning or something like that. and. Yeah, it's just a matter of where it's just a matter of where you focus your time. In fact, there um, uh, there's an article by uh, Clay Shirky, so okay. uh, technology journalist, a professor, technology journalist, and he was talking about Wikipedia, and there were some. Uh, he's writing about how some TV executives were taught. Uh, you know, we're being exposed to the concept of Wikipedia, where people voluntarily write these articles to end up in this big internet encyclopedias. And the TV executives were going, where do, where do people find the time as well? Because, you know, as far as they were concerned, they were owed that time. That time belongs to TV, you know? So it's a matter of where, it's a matter of where you choose to, it's a, it's a matter of where you choose to put your time. And I just prefer, uh, I prefer making over consuming. I mean, I do like my consuming. Sure. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I do have, yeah, of course. <laughs> I do have Netflix and all that, but you know what? I do so much love making. Yeah. And I think the world would be a better place if everybody spent a little bit more time trying to make it better by making things. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's what I think. So that's, that's just me doing that. That's just me doing my thing and enjoying it at the same time. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't find any joy or any purpose. Speaking of speaking of finding joy and purpose, you also run the, the coders, creatives and craft beer group. I love, first of all, I love the alliteration there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you run it with your, with your spouse. What's, what's that like? I mean, running it with your, with your wife. Well, for starters, it's not happening right now just because it's a bad idea sure, to gather sure. in all one place, but we're looking forward to getting back to it. Uh, the other thing is, you know, what we uh, 
we, we like our drinks, so it's a very easy thing. And the other thing is that uh, Coder's Greatest and Craft Beer is an easier meetup to organize because it's just, hey, let's get together and hang out at the craft brewery that is really close to our uh, house. There you go. Okay. Okay. So it's really close to our house where we've got, you know, we've made some, uh, we've, we've made some friends in the neighborhood. This is a friendly place. There's food. It's, it's easy. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not a particularly difficult meetup. It's, it's hanging out with friends with just slightly more structure and uh, a wider band invitation. That's right, it. That's pretty cool. And you also run a tech blog. Um, it's called globalnerdy.com. And you write about all kinds mm-hmm. of things technology related. With that, you also put together a, a list of all the tech related and tech adjacent things that are going on in the community. So first off, thank you for that. Because that list shows folks in the community here in Tampa and St. Pete, like what's going on? You know, so you know what day, what's happening, and you can kind of pick and choose from that as opposed to following all these all these groups on Meetup and then trying to discern, okay, which which one do I want to go to? Again, how do you keep up with all of that? Because that's not that's not making, that's not kind of hanging out. That's a lot more effort. That is uh, that that's a portion of an afternoon on a week, and that's largely just scanning through two sources. Really, it is that's me going through Meetup and Eventbrite. Okay. And I am in the process of automate, uh, trying to automate it a little bit further okay, cool. to, uh, to save time because, you know, what they're part of being a programmer is harnessing enlightened laziness <laughs> and anything that is a repetitive, a repetitive, possibly error prone process, you know, you should try to automate. So I am working on uh, using the power of Python to make that process even quicker. But the um but the general idea is it's also it also helps me because it it keeps me it keeps me up to date on what's happening. Yep. But it's a useful thing and it's a habit I picked up from um, having been a member of the Demo Camp group in Toronto. Demo Camp was basically show and tell for techies, where you had five minutes on stage to present the project that you were working on. Could be personal, could be professional. No slides allowed. The only thing you were allowed to show on the big screen was your project in action. Oh, and then wow. you answered. And then you had and then you had QA at the end. Uh, it was founded by a bunch of people who had come back to Toronto after working elsewhere during the dot-com boom. And we all came back after the dot-com bust. And we were kind of homesick for uh we were homesick for the for for things that were happening in um in New York, uh, where some of us had come back from, from Austin, from San Francisco, San Jose, uh, Seattle. And we, we just decided, you know what, uh, we, we live in Canada's New York. There really should be a tech scene. And from that, uh, from that small gathering, or the initial gathering was 12 people. Uh, by the end, it was 500 people at the uh, Board of Commerce dining room in downtown Toronto. And, um, I think that helped contribute to Toronto uh, having moved from tech nowhere to being a big North American tech powerhouse now. And I see a lot of the same potential here in Tampa Bay. There's some interesting stuff going on. I mean, this is now the third most populous state in the union. There's there's a lot of brain power migrating here. Uh, It's a subtropical paradise. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of potential and I see a lot of the elements, the same elements that I, uh, that we saw in Toronto circa 
2000 through 2005. I see that here right now, and um, I want to help. Uh, I want to help be a part of it, and I'm also just taking some of my experience from having done the same thing in Toronto, and just bring it here. So it's really just a Toronto habit that I just brought to Tampa. All right, cool. I mean, that first of all, that sounds amazing. But the, I mean, we, I, I think being uh, being in Tampa here now, I see there's also a lot of brain drain. So yes, it is a, the, the community is kind of growing, but you also do see, you know, once someone kind of gets some experience, they're they're off to New York, they're off to mostly most likely Austin or San Francisco, the Bay Area. But what do you think that we could possibly be doing? better as a community or just doing as a community or not doing as a community to keep folks here? Well, actually, uh, we are currently in part of, we are currently part of the world's largest natural experiment in that right now, just by all the remote work going on. This is, um, this is, you know, this is what Homer Simpson would call a chrysotunity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't remember, it's a Simpsons episode where uh, Lisa Simpson uh, mentions, and uh, actually, I think it's I, I think it's not one hundred percent true that the Chinese characters for the word uh, crisis and opportunity are the same. Okay, and Homer Simpson goes crisisunity, but yes, this is this is a crisisunity. We we all have to work remotely, and companies are beginning to. Uh, companies are now being forced into figuring out how to make that work. And it could happen. It, it's probably going to happen until, uh, until at least next summer. And by that point, it's going to be, it's going to be an ingrained thing. And everybody's going to have to accept that. Yes, you're going to have a, um, you're going to have a significant portion, especially in the tech world of people, you know, working, working from their own hometowns, wherever that is. And I think this, I think this is something that we, we can seize on in, in conjunction with the fact that people are moving here, um, for the combination of client and, uh, sorry, climate, not client, uh, climate and, um, and, you know, cost, uh, cost of living, you know, that sort of thing. And I hope too, I mean, I, I hope, first of all, I hope that that turns out to be true. I mean, I, I hope that folks do start to come back here or folks to just come down here because it is, the climate is fantastic. It is the only place where you're going to need a sweater in August uh, because you're not going outside maybe because it's too hot out. And so you're spending a lot of time more inside, uh, which is completely, you know, it's, it's, they just chill it to make it completely uh, like the Arctic almost. Um, so, but, but, and there's no state taxes either. So there's that. And I, but I hope too that companies, when they see folks kind of migrating down here and doing remote work for them, I hope too that they're paying them for what they're doing and not for what they're not where they're doing it from. Because that's a big that's a big problem that I think that we're going to face out of this is that when folks move into other places, they'll end up facing uh, the issue of okay, well we'll reduce your salary because you're now living somewhere that it's cheaper to live which I think is so silly. I think that's something that companies are going to eventually adjust to, uh, because I think that sort of, uh, you know, that, 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 that sort of unfairness is, uh, going to be, is going to be pushed in their face. 
All right. Well, let's, I want to move on to more of your career as a developer um, and, and an author and, and just the other things that you've been doing. You've written, you've written a book on iOS development dealing with Swift UI recently. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Well, that was a lot of fun. That was a round trip because I learned iOS development from the an earlier edition of the iOS Apprentice. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I went to, uh, I found uh, RayWenderlich.com, and at the time, I think they're still doing it. Actually, I don't know. You got chap, um, you got chapter one or project one of the iOS Apprentice free. All you had to do is join the mailing list, and if you got hooked, they'd go, "Okay, uh, pony up some money, and we'll give you the rest of the book." And so I did, and that's yeah, that's how I learned uh, iOS programming. So when the time came, I basically said, "Look, you know what? This is." This is the flagship publication of RayWenderlich.com. It is, it is the Iron Man of the Ray Wenderlich cinematic universe. <laughs> so, uh, and I want in on it. I want to, I, I want to pay it back. Awesome. Was this your first yeah. book? Uh, yes, actually it was. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, it's so it was like- fun. I'm not the only author. Ellie Ganim right. is the other author. So we had to split it because it's, it's at 1500 pages now. Yeah. It is insanely huge. And, you know, part of it was that now there are two right now we're in this transition where there are two ways you've got, you've got UI kit and Swift UI, two very different UI frameworks for, for iOS. Okay. And they require two different approaches. So we covered, yeah. Awesome. We covered those, but yeah, it was, it was great. And, you know, Ray, Ray is fun to work with. And, uh, I had a, um, it, it wasn't hard to convince him uh, largely because uh, largely because I was just able to convince him of my love for the, my love and gratitude for the book. Oh, that's awesome. So you must've felt like it was in good hands to move forward with another edition with you. Yeah. And you know what? The other thing is once you've survived an escape room together, th- that forges bonds that don't break. Uh, Ray, uh, Ray's a big escape room fan and we were in the most elaborate escape room I have ever been in. There was one portion of it was VR. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like um, we had PC, we had PCs in backpacks on our backs, wearing VR goggles, and we're walking around a room. We're walking around a green screen room with uh, some tape markings. I'm sure, uh, kind of to function function as reference points for uh, the VR gear. And yeah, it was freaky, and there was cr- there was crawling around a. There was crawling around a duct. It wasn't as tiny as an air duct, but there was a crawling around an air duct scene and uh, a jump scare from an actor. And I, I'm pretty sure I unloaded the entire clip of <laughs> of of the gun uh, which I was given, and uh, Ray thought that was hilarious. But yeah, we survived. We survived an escape room and beat it together. That's awesome. That sounds intense. I know. I know. You know, before COVID, he would have um, you know RW Con. Right. And, um, and, and he would do retreats with the folks that worked on the teams. Yep. So, um, yeah, in fact, that was, uh, yeah, in fact, I hung out with him because I was up, uh, I was up in Virginia to record, uh, record an AR kit, uh, tutorial video, uh, which was based on my RW DEF CON presentation of AR kit. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, Ray, I, I, I met Ray a long time ago when I first, when I first started doing iOS development, um, Ray's site was the site that I think was the kind of de facto, like, Hey, if you're looking to do this and you're looking to learn here, you go here. 
And uh, I, I saw he was speaking somewhere in Boston. So I got a ticket, flew up there to, to go listen to him. And I had his book um, with me. I, had, I actually had him sign it. So I want to point out one other thing. I've, I've also bought Craig Clayton's iOS book that's coming out in November. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to order a copy of the iOS Apprentice, physical copy. And I'm, hopefully when things kind of get back to normal, I'll have you sign that and I can kind of have, you know, all the, the, this collection of iOS developer books all, all autographed by the authors. Oh, fantastic. And you know what? I got to get Craig's book because Craig's was the first meetup yeah. in Tampa that I went to. So, yeah. So it was his. Yeah. His was the first meetup I went to after moving, like barely two weeks after moving here. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely getting that. Yeah, it, it, it was good. Yeah. Cool. All right. So in addition to doing Swift UI work, right, because that book is a lot on, on Swift UI. But in addition to doing that, you, you recently I mean, I turned around and you just you taught a class on JavaScript and React. Actually, <laughs> I still am. You still, okay, still, you're still, yeah. So that's still going on. Yeah. It's the Python class that finished earlier. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So uh, so there you go. So now so you're teaching. So you're teaching Python, right? I mean, you're you're mm -hmm. teaching JavaScript and React. You've written a book on iOS development. I've seen you speak and do presentations on Kotlin and Android development. So I, I mean, I know that you're big into mobile, but like I said, you kind of to, to call you a Swiss Army knife is kind of a, an understatement. With all of that, you're just someone who's incredibly passionate about doing development, you know, writing code and and creating cool things with it. Um, yeah. And, and in particular, I want to think maybe mobile development is is more. Well, there's a reason for that, and that is um, th that is I think it was Chris Dixon who wrote about it, but. Uh, uh, I, I've, I boiled it down. I boiled his thesis down to always bet on the toy. <laughs> so the technology that gets dismissed as a toy, uh, is going to be the next thing. Like, remember that the desktop computer, the IBM PC was put out. I mean, one, one, it's a Florida product. It's, but it was made by IBM Boca Raton. Okay. okay so Didn't know that. That, that. that alone should put Florida on the tech map. We should celebrate that more. But the thing to note was that it was it was developed by IBM's entry level systems division. In other words, it was meant to tide you over until you were ready for a real computer. Okay, cool. Okay, you know that sort of thing. So in, in the beginning, you know, desktop, yeah, desktop computers were considered toys, and you know, you wanted to, you would want to move up eventually to, and we don't even use the term anymore. If you look back in the eighties, we called de desktop computers uh, were also called home computers, or the really popular term was microcomputer. Yep. Right. You know that kind of thing. You really wanted to graduate to a, a, a mini, like you were going to get, you were going to up to a VAX or a VMS eventually and use and, and use a proper system that ran at the time you know was probably running cpm and was an s100 bus machine like a real computer <laughs> and um no that and that didn't happen and once again you know the same thing the same thing happened with um the same thing happened with phones right they were orig right. originally toys originally toys but you know now they are they are supercomputers in your pocket, and now we have uh, you, you. You know, we're going to have ubiquitous devices like uh, we will have devices that ha just happen to have 
chips and uh, networking capability uh, already, the Raspberry Pi and uh, Arduino and everything related to that, these Internet of Things devices are going to be everywhere. It's going to be like, uh, I mean, someday we're going to talk about processors the way we talk about electric motors, like where, where you have that thought exercise. Count the number of electric motors in your house and you will be surprised. That's an interesting And I think that will be even, yeah, because I mean, the thing that turns the turntable in your microwave, electric motor, any analog clock, electric motor, washer and dryer, electric motor. Actually, also in your microwave, the fan that deflects the uh, electrons from the magnetron tube, also an electric motor. Like there, there, there are probably three dozen electric motors in your house and you don't realize it. I'm going to go count uh, after this. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go count. But the original plan, the original plan was actually for everybody to have a central electric right. motor in their house and you would just attach um, drive belts to it <laughs> <laughs> to power uh, to power everything else. Oh, and, you know, that's the way everybody thought of the computer, right? You'll have one computer in the house, maybe in the family room and you'll use that. But now you've got computers yeah, now you've now you've got processors all over the place. To your point, you know, you mentioned about toys. Um, I, w- I want to kind of take this back and move a little bit from hardware to software. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you talk about you, you teach React, and then you've got Flutter now, which is another thing. You've mm-hmm. got Swift UI, um, and now Android will have Compose, and so yep. all of these languages are very you know they're all declarative uh, languages that that are very similar, um, almost as if to allow developers easier, you know, an easier pathway to kind of switch back and forth between them, at least from a Swift UI and Compose, uh, you know, but where do you think all of this is going to end up going? Do you think we'll have, you know, that Flutter will be a thing in the, in the next two years, or is that another Google project that'll get canceled? Um, is it, it, do you think we're, we're going towards more apps being just written in React, or is it going to be well, we'll see more native uh, Swift UI and native Compose type apps. What's your hypothesis? My, my general take is, um, you know what, if you want, um, and, and I go like this, it depends on whether you want to go wide or you want to go deep. So in other words, if you're writing an application and you want to reach the uh, mobile application, you want to reach the widest possible audience and you're not relying, you're not heavily, heavily reliant on the fancier hardware in the device, I would say, yeah, go ahead, use a cross-platform framework. That's fantastic. Maybe, yeah, if it lean, if your idea actually leans way more towards the software side and uses um, uses the hardware features that have already been commoditized, to say, uh, as an example. So I'm going to say the camera and geolocation, okay. and of course networking. Fine. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely use cross-platform framework. Write once, debug one and a half times. It's (laughs) (laughs) all right. But if you want to go deep, let's say you want to take advantage of a specific feature, like the the super AR, very specific AR capabilities of say um, the new, you know, current iPads, new iPhone, something, you know, something that. Uh, something that takes uh, takes advantage of AR kit plus the fact that you know you can count on every uh, every iPhone and every iPad of a specific vintage going forward having the lidar. Then go native, uh, yeah, go native because you've got to go deep with that. And um, in that particular case, yes, using the native language 
yeah, using the native tools will will uh, will actually give you access to all those features. And then I guess after that, it's a matter of performance. Like if you really need, you're always going to lose something. Uh, you're always going to lose something, you know, in in something that's interpreted or is that is cross-platform. Sure. You're going to lose speed, but you know, in that, you know, speed is not as important. Yeah, go wide, go cross-platform. But yeah, performance again requires you to go deep. Yeah, definitely go native. It's one of those things where you you have to make that judgment call. I mean, there still is there still is a reason for some people to be coding in assembly. Yeah, I I hope to God that they get off of that. Um, <laughs> those folks and move, move away from assembly, but you know, to, to your point, right. I mean, flutter is, has been really cool and, and that's written in dart. Now people think, well, what is dart? That must be some new crazy language. It's really just Google's version of JavaScript. And, you know, you've got react out there as well. Um, uh, you know, a Facebook language and, and, and kind of platform almost, but no one asked me, but um, my, my <laughs> hypothesis is that I think you're, you're starting to see the the web developers kind of, you know, now that SwiftUI and Compose will be very declarative and very much like the Flutter and very much like React. I think what actually happened is that you won't see the cross-platform anymore and you'll see things like SwiftUI and, Compo and Kotlin go off to other platforms. And so that you'll have Swift for web and Kotlin for web. And I know there are people out there right now listening to something like that and cringing, thinking that there's no way a web developer would ever code their web app in Kotlin. But I, I honestly think in the next few years, you're going to start to see folks doing that because those languages are kind of, they're getting so similar. It's just, yeah, there's, there's no reason to kind of not move more towards native. But anyway... Well, they can, yeah. And the thing is that languages converge and diverge over time, and everybody embraces a paradigm at one or another. And um, look, uh, you know what? The mathematical definition of the word computable, all right, is not even 100 years old yet. That is, that doesn't happen until 2030. <laughs> okay. All right. So this is how new the field is. Like, I, I mean, okay. Um, COBOL is really late 50s, early 60s. Like it's either 1959 or 1960. And that is considered, you know, that that is that is the Sanskrit of programming languages. It's not that old. And in the end, right now, um, I mean, right now, any given programming language that, uh, mo you know, most of them are some kind of mutant child of either, of some combination of either Algol or Lisp. And that's basically it. I mean, how many languages are still embracing, you know, the curly brackets C notation and, uh, you know, C actually C may have stolen that from uh, B or BCPL. Like that's as far as I remember from computer science class at C was C was derived from that, from B and BCPL. So, uh, you know, there, there, there is a whole bunch of baggage that, uh, that we still carry. Sure. Uh, just like, you know, just like any natural human language carries, uh, carries baggage from stuff, from, from stuff that's way back. Like a lot of, I mean, how many of our, how many English words are based on, you know, Latin, you know, Latin and Greek from the time, you know, from the time of Caesar. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's why it, it's wild, but you know, at the same time, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff has remained the same. Interesting. So you, you took a, you recently just took a five week course. Six. 
Six. Okay. Six. Yes. All right. I've got to check. I have to talk to my producer and fire him. <laughs> uh, so the six week course on cybersecurity and it was offered up. It was, you did it in um, Tampa Bay uh, by the Undercroft, uh, which is a Tampa Bay security guild. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of other folks that kind of like to do cool stuff with tech. Did you have any cybersecurity experience before you took the course or was it just kind of, was it something you just wanted to do or? Tangential. Okay. Tangential cybersecurity experience and little brushes with the cybersecurity community. And that is largely, that kind of goes all the way back to the dot-com era when I was working at Open Cola. And uh, that was basically, that was basically uh, supposed to be a mix of Google. Yeah, the simplest way to describe it is uh, a mix of Google and uh, Napster or LimeWire. So peer-to-peer, uh, peer-to-peer search. Uh, the thesis at the time that we had was that Google would never scale. So we're, okay. so I never trust myself to, 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 to forecasts or to predict the future anymore. Okay. And um, no, and security became an issue. So we started hanging out. So we actually started hanging out and uh, with, uh, with the hacker community. And in fact, one of our, yeah, one of my coworkers was a spokesperson for cult of the dead cow. Oh, cool. Uh, go, uh, you know, went by, uh, yeah, goes by Oxblood Ruffin. And uh, along that way, we got to meet the Cult of the Dead Cow and the folks from Loft Heavy Industries and hang out with Captain Crunch. And that led to my work on Pika Booty, which was a proto VPN for the Great Wall of China, which we got to present at CodeCon 2002. Cool. So, yeah, a little bit of that. And also um, at the time, uh, let's see, when I was living in Toronto, yeah, my deadbeat ex-housemate was a uh, cyber w- w- was a cybersecurity professional. And uh, so, yeah. so how did you fare in the course? Did you, I mean, did you enjoy it? Is it was it oh, something you I, would pre- ask? You was it something you would advise other folks that are doing maybe say mobile development or web development? Would you encourage folks to do something like this? Yes, if you can find if you can find the six weeks to do it. Like luckily, I am. Um, Luckily or unluckily, uh, my job had evaporated, so I did have the time to do uh, to do the six weeks uh, six weeks worth of course. Uh, I think it was a fantastic experience. You are taught by actual cybersecurity professionals who whose day job is secure is securing software and systems. Um, you 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 learn a lot. You do a lot of things you uh, that that you might not otherwise get the chance to do, including disassembling and reassembling uh computers which is uh you know which is something most people don't get to do yeah always fun uh and um yeah you just get exposed you you just get exposed to interesting different points uh different points of view it was a great peek into an industry uh that i was only tangentially familiar with and yeah, it was a, it was a fun experience and I enjoyed it. And I think they are a great, uh, I, I think they are a great addition to the tech community. And, uh, yeah, if you get the chance, they are starting a new course in January, 2021, if you can do it. And especially if you can get the scholarship money, there is some, uh, there are some local companies who are, who, who will throw in some money to help defray the cost. Yeah, absolutely do it. In fact, actually, what I need to do is um, get an Undercroft, get an Undercroft Guild membership, and be part of the guild, and maybe even convince Auth Zero to throw some money their way. All right, cool. 
Speaking of which, you mentioned you were out of work at the time. You're taking a cybersecurity course, and then you land a job with a company who is mm-hmm. their whole mission uh, is to make. Well, I'll let you tell it, but basically, they handle security uh, by 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 authentication. Yes. So, tell us what you're doing now at Auth Zero. Right now, I am onboarding. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the end of week two at Auth Zero for me. All right. All right. So, I'm still I'm still filling out forms. I'm still. Oh, that's uh, fun. I'm that. still getting, uh, you, you know, I, I think there are a few more things I need to get permission for. Auth0 are really cool. In fact, um, there is a, there, there's a program to help you equip your, equip your home office. And huh. I'm going, okay, standing desk, here we come. <laughs> Variable geometry standing desk, here we come. Nice. And yeah, don't, they they even have one. So yeah, I'm placing an order. Don't forget the uh, footrest. Don't forget the, the foot pad. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I still, I'm still filling out. Uh, yeah, I'm still installing uh, some uh, some software on the uh, new company machine. But aside from that, I'm learning. Uh, uh, I, I'm learning the platform. I got a chance to learn a little bit because I had uh, part of the interview process, which is a pretty thorough interview process. Was to write uh, for me because uh, my job would be writing uh, writing documentation and articles. Was to write an article. And accompanying project on using Auth0 to secure an API that were uh, a Spring Boot API implemented in Kotlin. Very cool. That's yeah. So, cool. so I was I had one out of three familiar. I was going okay, no Kotlin. Uh, let's see now. I <laughs> I've heard of Auth0, and I had never ever heard of Spring Boot. I have I I knew about Spring, but I've made a career out of avoiding Java frameworks. And uh, had to look up Spring, had to look up Spring Boot, and I was going, okay, less painful Spring. I think I can do this. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny because RayRenderLick.com uses Auth0 to authenticate users, um, mm-hmm. which is just kind of a fun happenstance. But uh, so you're, you're so you're onboarding. But what are you going to be doing once you're fully onboarded? Do you? I mean, you you have some idea, I hope, right? Like what you're going to be doing once you've got your standing desk and your footrest and. Yep. Your, all that stuff's installed. That is interesting as well because um, the group I uh, the group I joined, which was uh, R and D content engineers, largely okay. responsible for uh, creating the content for uh, for developer facing content for Auth0. So that's documentation, that's uh, uh, that's articles, that's how tos, that's uh, uh, that's everything there uh, has has merged with the developer evangelism group separate thing those are the people who go out and speak and do presentations and then there's all the um so they we have all merged under one one unit now developer relations very cool and um this is a period where they're um and of course the the head of developer relations jared reyes is relatively new to auth zero he's come over from twilio so he's done. Um, so he was head of developer relations there. He's now head of developer relations for Auth0. I get to report directly to him, which is really cool. And um, yeah, right now this is going to be a period of great experimentation. So I am um, I'm still in the process of defining that. But basically, the idea is, you know what? I just want to make it so that uh, when you when you think about adding 
identification, authentication, authorization to your application. That all rhymed. Um, I want you to think of auth. I, I want you to think of auth zero. I don't want you know. Don't roll your own. Get auth zero. We've done the hard work. Yeah. Concentrate on what your app actually does. There's a reason. There's a reason you use a high-level programming language. There is a reason you use frameworks, whether it's uh, React or Angular or Swift UI or <laughs> you know what? Because you're not building. You're not building those. You don't really have to build those things. There's a, there's a reason you go to Home Depot and buy two by fours instead of going to the forest and chop down trees. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a great analogy. That's a great yeah. analogy. So. And I want to just point this out. So for folks listening, you can, Joey has documented the whole hiring process on his blog. And I think it's fascinating that you've done this because you kind of go week by week and kind of how you, you know, send in the application, kind of what you learned about how you could stand out in the, you know, in, during that process. And then kind of week, you know, phone call by phone call, how you kind of laid it out. So I'm going to put a link to all of that in, in the show notes here, but for folks that might be looking now for a job, and there's probably plenty of folks out there, are there any tips or, that you've learned through this process that you might want to share? Uh, I mean, I feel, think, feel free to say no. <laughs> oh no, no, it, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right actually. <laughs> Not after writing an article like that. And the other thing is, uh, I I think it would I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't. And really, one of the um. There are basically two things that you can do to help. One, of course, is practice, practice, practice. Like, just get good at what you're doing. Ma uh, master the fine art of, um, of using technology to solve problems. Keeping in mind that, um, keeping in mind that you know what, you may not be using uh, this. Uh, you may not be using the exact same thing two years from now. It may be drastically different. We are. Things aren't uh, things aren't that old, and we're still in the stone knives and bearskins phase of computers. This is, uh, I mean, uh, the i, uh, I mean, the iPhone, the concept of the app, phones, uh, phones for which you can write apps and app stores, is only a dozen years old. Um, Very true. Yeah, uh, the ra uh, things like the Raspberry Pi uh, aren't that. Uh, uh, aren't, aren't that old react is not that, <laughs> is not that old. Like, um, some of, uh, some of you listeners probably have children older than these technologies. That's, that, that's how new these things are. So uh, always be ready for change, but remember that, uh, you know what, these are all, every technology is a descendant of a previous technology. There's a lot, um, there's a lot that still applies, but the other thing is, you know what, leave a, You've got in this day and age, you have to leave a trail of breadcrumbs. I know that there is a lot of effort. They try and tell people, you know, try not to leave a trail in social media. That stuff will haunt you later. Uh, but you have to leave a trail. Of, you have to somehow leave a trail of your good stuff out yeah. there. Uh, I think part of it is, you know, um, one of the things that they kept saying over and over and over again at UC Baseline, that is the Undercroft six-week cybersecurity crash course is that um, a good chunk of the job is Googling. You have to, you have to be really good at Googling to, uh, you have to be really good at Googling. But at the same time, a good chunk of the job is also feeding Google. You've got to put the content out there for people to Google. 
And I think that's what can separate you right there. I'm, um, there is a lot of people just don't do that. And, um, you can use that to your advantage, put, uh, put stuff out there. It, it, it's surprising uh, how little you have to put out there to actually stand out, especially if, especially if you know. Um, let's say you've you've just uh, figured out a solution to a problem that you've had. You know what? Put it out there somewhere. Yeah. Put it out there somewhere. Put your name on it. One, it'll be useful to you. Two, it'll actually be useful to other people. And three, it will help you with your job search. I mean, one of my biggest. One of my biggest posts ever that still gets a lot of hits is uh, this dumb little post I wrote saying, uh, this is how you change the RAM on a ThinkPad T430 because uh, the designers decided in order to squeeze as much into as little space as possible that they decided to put it into the two RAM, uh, the two DIMMs go in two separate places, one on the underside of the machine, one under the keyboard. And I, and that, article gets referenced like crazy because I took pictures of where each dim goes. So, you know, I tell folks, folks all the time on the podcast here that do one and two, right? Put stuff out there so that one, you will remember it. Uh, and two, that even if you don't remember it, like it's something that you're just writing down anyway. So, but even if you think that what you're going to write has been written about thousands of times. It doesn't matter. Write it, write it up anyway, because like Joey was mentioning, like you're going to have it for later. So it's for, even if it's just for you, you'll have it for later. And two, in the process of writing it down, you're going to remember it and it kind of solidifies it. And, you know, so it's just, a, it's a great process to have that writing that stuff down and posting it so that you have easy access to it later and you don't have to go through a notebook to try to find this stuff. Bit, bit of advice from two folks who've kind of been doing this for a little while, a little while. Um, Joey, so what have been some of the challenges that you have struggled with becoming a developer? Um, mostly it's just kind of trying to, uh, trying to pick out what, trying to pick out what I wanted to cover. That's always a tricky okay. thing. And um, it's only gotten even trickier. Things, uh, things have expanded. Uh, things have expanded like crazy. When I got started out, when I, when I, when I got started, uh, in the field it was the mid 90s and really you were just targeting the desktop computer and that was it that was the that 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 was pretty much the platform i mean at that point uh uh netscape hadn't even hit 1.0 yet so nobody was thinking about nobody was really thinking about the web just yet i think mortal kombat the which the mortal kombat trailer was showing in movie theaters and there was this www thing below the movie title and people were going huh I mean, and now it's the most natural thing in the world. Now they don't you know, even get, include the WWW anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so now, you know, we've got the we we we've got all these platforms, all these frameworks, all these programming languages. I mean, uh, I'm looking into. Have you heard of Ballerina? The Ballerina I, programming I, language. I have heard of it. I know nothing about it. Yeah, uh, basically, it's kind of cloud centric. So there are data structures. It's supposed to have data structures that better fit a cloud-centric world. Like I think you can treat, uh, I think you can treat a ser- you can put a server in a variable, or you know, reference a server by a variable or some something like that. I need to look into that myself. But basically, yeah, the, it, its structures are think of 
think of a think of the network as well as as part of the whole thing and not just some not just some add-on that you import very cool okay you know so that's the thing so in the end what um yeah it's keeping up and the way i've decided to do it is kind of borrow from um borrow from the finance industry the 70 10 the 70 20 10 rule where you spend 70 percent of your time on sure things 20% 20% of your time's on uh, really, really good maybes and maybe 10% of your effort on long shots. Okay. Because you never you, you never know what will be big. Uh, I used to tell the joke, and this is back in 2010, that um, uh, this is back in 2010 when I used to tell this joke, when I was doing uh, presentations on behalf of Microsoft. I used to go, okay, uh, suppose you got... Uh, Suppose you got uh, a time machine that allowed you to visit yourself for about a minute and a half back in 1999. So you could tell yourself three things in 1999. And the three things I would tell myself would be that one, uh, you know, that, that doomed computer company, Apple. Sure. You know, they are going, <laughs> they are going to make a revolutionary phone that is going to be the hottest new software platform. And they're going to bounce back anyways. They're going to be the preferred programmer machine. You know, second, uh, let's see now, uh, that obscure, that obscure Japanese programming language, Ruby, it's going to be hot stuff. (laughs) The one for which you can't find any English documentation. Yeah. Going to be hot. And finally, uh, and finally three, uh, that, that, that annoying toy language, JavaScript that most people have disabled on their browsers. (laughs) It's going to be net. It's going to be mandatory. And I would not have believed my future self. So you, you've already answered my next question, which was, what do you wish you knew when you were younger? But do you, you mentioned JavaScript and kind of all the way back. Do you remember applets? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. That was supposed to be, that was supposed to be the hot thing. Right. Yeah. And we were all going to run, we were all going to run it on our hot Java browser. Yeah. And in fact, the original plan was that IE six was going to be the last browser. And we were going to, we were we would just simply download we would download at Microsoft applets as ActiveX controls. That was the original plan. Kind of like through an app store? Oh uh, don't know how or they but, plan to do it, but it, it, the same way you download in an applet, the same way you would download an applet through the uh through the uh, hot Java browser. I gotcha. think the plan was originally that uh everything was going to be flash or oh, flash like. I think I, I think that was the plan. I was at a secret peer-to-peer uh, Microsoft meeting at uh, uh, at Microsoft back in 2001, and I ended up sitting with Tim O'Reilly to my left and Dave Weiner to my right. Oh, that's cool. And it was yeah, it was wild. I was just going, "Oh my god, this is a fame sandwich," <laughs> you know. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I'm so still, I'm so uh, glad none of that happened. Um, you know the outcome of what you were mentioning. I'm, it, oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm all I, for I, the I, fame sandwich for you, but not. But not, yes, not exactly. <laughs> but 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 yeah, that's uh, th- that's the thing is that those that was the original plan, and things uh, th- things became quite different. So glad. You, so glad. <laughs> Joey, what's the one thing you do to escape? Clear your mind from work, technology in general. I hop on my bike. I uh, I live in Seminole Heights, and it is a nice tree-lined neighborhood. 
with houses built from uh, a lot of them, most of them, twenties from the twenties through the fifties. Some of the streets are still cobbled. That's cool. In Seminole Heights, uh, makes for an interesting makes for an interesting bike ride. Firms up the arm. <laughs> Uh, you know, and Seminole Heights is surrounded on three sides by uh, the Hillsborough River because it just takes this upside down U shape through Tampa yep. around there. And it's it's just a great neighborhood to bike through. And I actually try most days to try and get uh, uh, squeeze in a 10K ride. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah. And that's what I do. And it's fantastic. Sometimes I put on sometimes I put on a podcast or uh, an audio book. Uh, but yeah, that's it bike enjoy the scene enjoy the scenery um say hi to the folks i know that kind of thing and yeah it's fantastic and uh also keeps me from getting too tubby which is always good <laughs> excellent excellent well if you're ever looking for a podcast to listen to i can give you some some uh oh i listen oh uh, no 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 i listen to this one. Oh, nice excellent yeah no no it, it's it's on my it's on my list it is it, it's on yeah i i've got it on my overcast list on my iphone I was, and i have it on podcast addict on my android i was so kidding too um all right i won't get no it. no i listen to the I'm, tampa bay podcast i will tell you i am it it, it yeah i mean I, I do that as well right because you have to support local folks and because otherwise you know folks decide to leave so it's again it's it's it, about fostering community um, and yeah. that's good. Some, thank you for that. Um, I have one listener. Awesome. Uh, at least <laughs> one, at least one. Okay. So <laughs> folks in our profession, we don't get a lot of opportunities to promote ourselves. Uh, I, I want to give you a chance for some self-promotion, right? Well, so what's the one thing or, or a couple of things that you're most proud of, love the most, uh, or just something about you, uh, that you inspire yourself? Or it, or something that inspires confidence in yourself that is about you. I know. Uh, this is I a tough. I, this is a tough one, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some time so to stall and think about this because a no. lot of folks just don't like to brag about them. They feel like it's bragging, or they feel like they're not being humble. And I, but it it really is. You, you have to advertise to the world about yourself. Well, I already do that. I, I think I get plenty of opportunities. I, I think I get plenty of opportunities already. There's a certain shamelessness that you learn from carrying an accordion wherever you go. <laughs> breaking, uh, breaking the songs, you know, and, you know, now I am, uh, I, I'm working, you know, now I work at a unicorn uh, under, uh, under the former uh, DevRel head of uh, Twilio. So I think I'm going to get plenty of exposure as it stands. And in fact, actually what I'd rather do is sure. I would rather talk. I'd rather talk about Tampa Bay. Like I like okay. writing about global nerdy. So I've got the, uh, there is the uh, weekly event list, but there's also the monthly, here's what the local podcasts put out list. Yep. Definitely, definitely check those out. And I list them in reverse order of age. So friends, the code is, uh, actually first first on the list i'm gonna i'm gonna put a i, I want to put links to all of the things that you, you just mentioned we're gonna put them in the show notes just to make it easy for folks to find because those three lists that joey's talking about um i mean if you're in the tampa st pete area even orlando you really should check them out and and be subscribed or or just check them on a regular basis because there's so much information that you can get out of those so you know, but I, I mean, aside from that, aside from that, uh, 
the reason I'm just pointing uh, pointing people to those is because there's a lot there's a lot going on here. And in fact, actually, it was Ray Wenderlich who said he looks at the list occasionally and goes, "Wow, there's a lot going on in Tampa Bay." And I'm hoping that there are other people out there who are looking at that, going, "Yeah, hey, there's there there there's a lot going on. Uh, there's a lot going on local scene. There are uh, you know there are companies out here that people forget." exist and actually make up uh, key portions of uh, key portions of tech infrastructure like uh, you, you know from uh, you know if you've ever been you know if you've been on cruise ships uh, you know there's a lot of source toad technology in there there uh, no before around there tech data are a local unicorn um, there are some surprisingly involved comp uh, you know there's some surprisingly involved companies that work in stuff that if they told you about it they'd have to kill you over at uh you know between the undercroft and uh softworks yes yeah so there yeah there is a lot going on you know in this little bay area where you, you know where a you know where a pirate once needed a bathroom break you know <laughs> so it is <laughs> and yeah and it, yeah this is an amazing little place and in addition to all that cool stuff that you just mentioned Again, no state tax, beautiful weather, okay, mm -hmm. for 10 months out of the year. Uh, yeah, and you know what? And when it's safe, an hour and a half drive away from Disney, uh, Disney World. Right. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Uh, and Harry Potter. Yes, an hour and a half from the theme parks. Uh, and Gatorland. Don't forget Gatorland. Gatorland. <laughs> you, we, and listen, folks, not only do we have some fantastic beaches, but if you were a fan of Tiger King, that, mm -hmm. that's right here. That's right here in the Tampa Bay area. That's absolutely that's absolutely correct. In fact, actually, my original plan had Halloween not been destroyed <laughs> by the virus uh, was for me to go as Joe Exotic and Anitra to go as Carol Baskin. <laughs> I would just keep talking about my going to Tampa gun. That's my going to Tampa gun. That's a very uh, that's you should still do that, Joey. There's nothing stopping you. Eggs. Now, and I've been practicing my, I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Joey, I hope you had some fun hanging out today. I did. I did too. I, 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 I always do. And I, by the way, you know what? I have to, uh, I have to thank you, um, for, um, uh, for DevFest Florida. It was a fantastic experience. It's, especially, uh, you know what? One of the best speaker dinners I've ever been to in my life. And I have, yeah, and I have, I have been to some ridiculously expensive Microsoft steak and wine angel, uh, speaker dinners. And, uh, that, uh, that one at, uh, oh, uh, at the, at Disney boardwalk was just yeah. stunning. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that we can get back to, uh, doing more Dev Fest Florida's at Disney world. If you haven't folks, if you don't, you don't know what Joey's talking about, go to devfestflorida.org. Um, yeah, devfestflorida.org, and you can check out what they've got going on. I know they've got another DevFest. It's all virtual this year, but man, having a DevFest, having a tech conference in Disney World, and I don't mean Disney World adjacent. I mean in Disney World. That that yeah. night, you know, after after our conference, we broke out and then we went outside to uh, uh, drink and watch the fireworks at the Magic Kingdom. So yeah, we were, we were right there, man. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that was fantastic. It was, uh, it was a great experience and, um, yeah, uh, and it, great, great facilities and, uh, some of the best developer conference food. 
Ex- yeah. With, with and they were ready to accommodate everybody. Yep, that's that's the way we had to have it done. Um, did you try any of the strawberry smoothies? Yes, I did. Oh yeah. <laughs> That I thought was the the best part about that. Um, we had that come out at uh, as a as a break option for folks. And, yeah, and you know what? I'm looking forward to when things get back to what passes for normal. I'm looking forward to getting back to the meetups and uh, dropping by, dropping by a GDG, a GDG gathering, and hopefully, and I hope, uh, I hope my fellow Ozeros. By the way, that's what they call Auth Zero ah. employees, Ozeros. I. Uh, I hope they're listening. Uh, yeah, I want to be able to hand out swag. We need swag. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, with the we, we, you know with the star and the shield. That is great. It is a great logo. I'm re- I am ready to wear stuff emblazoned with it. <laughs> awesome, awesome, Joey. Thank you so much um, for folks that are out there that are interested in hearing more from Joey. Again, follow him on Twitter at, at Accordion Guy. You can check out his blog on, on globalnerdy.com. I'll put links to all of the other stuff that we were talking about before, the meetup groups, his articles, links to the lists that Joey uh, compiles, uh, and also where you can find more, uh, find out more about Auth0. Um, thanks again, Joey, and thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and if you're subscribed, I'd love to hear back from you. You can email me at hello at friends.co.com. Constructive criticism is always the best criticisms criticism and always welcome or just tell me what kind of guests you want to hear from in the future and uh, with that tell your friends because next week we'll be back again with another amazing person i know that just happens to write code for a living until then be well everyone